Amen. All right, guys, we're kind of in that little in-between season where we don't have any specific series going on, so I just try to preach as the Lord leads for uh, just Sunday to Sunday. And this Sunday, we're going to look at a pretty famous Bible character. He is the rich young ruler. You could find stories about the rich young ruler in Matthew and Mark and Luke, but we're going to focus on Mark today. So if you'd like to in your Bibles, turn to the book of Mark in chapter 10. The book of Mark, chapter 10. Does anyone else here besides the preacher have ADD? Okay, thank you. There's at least one. Um, We're going to try to focus on one thing. See, I couldn't even just have the word one there. I'd even have another number one because that's how I am, right? Today, I want you to think about this. This is the whole message. You can go to sleep right after this point if you need to. This is what you need to think about. Is there any one thing that is between you and Jesus? That's what I want you to wrestle with. You pray about it. You, if you need to be in your scriptures today, let the Lord speak and guide, or I'm going to walk you through this story of the rich young ruler. But I want you to really wrestle with, is there anything between me and my Lord? That's what we're going to focus on today. All right, the book of Mark, chapter 10. We're actually going to start down in verse 21. Then we'll come back to verse 17 in a little bit. The scripture says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. What a powerful truth. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. Look in verse 23. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. All right, you don't have to raise your hand or answer out loud. You can if you want, but um, what's the one thing you wish you really had? one thing you wish you really had. If I could just have, maybe you would say, if I could live forever, or I could have great health. But probably we're a little more focused on that, right? What's the one thing you want right now? Is it a million dollars? If you ever asked my dad uh, uh, how he was doing, he would tell you perfect. That's one of his things. And the other thing, he would say, well, is there anything I can, can help you with? Like at a restaurant, and somebody would come up and say, How, is there anything we can help you with? He'd always say, yeah, can you give me 80 million tax-free? I don't know why 80, what the number was with 80 million, but that was always his thing, right? What do you really want today? What's coming out this summer? Maybe you want to go see a certain movie. Maybe there's a new piece of technology. Maybe there's a new car or a fancy house. or Maybe you just want your kids to be back in your house and tight with you, right? Okay. One thing. If you could narrow it down to one thing, what is it? And that may give you a clue this morning about what's most important to you. And that's why I wanted to challenge you with that today. Well, today we're going to look at a man who has 
really, I think, and this is some penology here, so take this with a grain of salt, but I think his intentions were good. I don't think he was actually trying to show how good he was or anything like that. I think he was really seeking the Lord. Have you ever sought the Lord? Genuinely? Right? And again, we kind of struggled with this on Wednesday night a little bit. It was kind of hard because we saw some Bible stories where people had great motives. Right? Uzzah, when the ark was going and it began to stumble, and Uzzah reached out with good intentions to keep the ark so it would not fall off of the poles. And what happened to Uzzah when he did that? He died, right? His intentions were great, but he did not obey, and so he had to feel the effects of that, right? That's challenging to me today. And I, what I would say to you today is you probably say, well, Travis, my motives are good. <laughs> and you're going to see, I think, here a guy today that his motives were good, but God's going to reveal his heart. And I hope the Lord does the same for us all this morning. First thing I want you to see this morning is this rich young ruler, he was hungry for life. Hungry to really live. Not just to breathe, but to really live. Look down, if you would, in your scriptures are up on the screen. Verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and he fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Hmm. You start to get the picture. Jesus is making his way. If you look in the book of Matthew, you'll see that Matthew calls him a young man and Luke will call him a ruler. So if you've ever heard the rich young ruler, that's how all that gets put together. All right. Some people will even go so far to say, we don't have any proof of this, but some people think that this was very possibly the Apostle Paul. That maybe this was before the Lord would come prick him later on. I don't know if there's truth to that. There's different historical things that people pull on to kind of lend that way. But what I want you again to see is this man was hungry for his life. And here what I want to tell you again is I think he was humble. How does he approach Jesus? Does he come up to him and say, hello, Jesus, what do you think I should do to inherit eternal life? And I can't wait to tell me because I already got it all checked off. What does the scripture say here? He fell on his knees, right? He already humbles himself in front of the teacher and he makes himself to say that, hey, I'm below you. You're the teacher. I'm the student, which is a great way to approach Jesus. And I think he also knows there's some wisdom there with Jesus and that's why he, he goes to him. He's not arrogant. I don't think he's trying to prove himself. And probably what he's heard is this is the wise teacher. I want to know more what he has to say. How else does he address Jesus? Good teacher. Now that's going to get him here in a second. <laughs> good teacher. Teacher, I know you're good. I need help. Can you help me? Good teacher. And then what I also say this morning is he has the question, right? And Rick, or yeah, Rick laid this out really good in Sunday school. There's a lot of questions you can ask, but if you're spiritually minded at all, probably the biggest question in the world is what? If there is such a thing as eternal life, how do I get it? Right? If this ain't it, if this isn't all there is, if there's more to come, if this is a little short 120 years or 70 years or 30 years compared to eternity, what do I do to get eternity? Right? How do I inherit? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I think that's a question that a lot of people will have as they humble themselves and they get before the Lord. Maybe even today you have this question. If there is eternal life, I've got to find it. This is not a new thing, right? The Crusaders sought it in the Holy Grail. Any Indiana Jones fans out there? 
right? That's what they were looking for, right? I got to find this. If I can find this holy grail, the grail, the chalice that Jesus had, if I can grab it, then I can live forever. They were looking for it. Maybe you heard a guy by the name of uh, Ponce de Leon. Uh, He was down on Destin, Florida, maybe. I don't know where he was. He might have been on the other side, right? What was he looking for? The fountain of youth, right? What can I drink and I can continually be young? That would never age. And so what I would tell you this morning is God has put that in the heart of us, right? Because there is something beyond this. And he's created for something beyond this. And so we look and ask these questions. Well, Jesus is going to respond to him. And here's what I really want you to focus on for the next section. Is anyone good? He called them good teacher. Is anybody good? How many of you were born good this, 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 this day? Who would admit to that? Anybody born completely good? It was your mom and dad that messed you up, right? I was born good. All right, now look what Jesus has to say. This, this is very powerful, and it really kind of wrecks me a little bit when I think about it. Verse 18, why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder or commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud or, and honor your father and mother. And the teacher, he responds to him, teacher, he declared all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Why do you call me good, he says. Jesus begins to lower the first theology bomb here on this rich young ruler, right? What does Jesus say right after that? Why do you call me good? Who is good? No one. Except God. So there's two things going on here, right? Either this rich young ruler recognizes that Jesus is God and he calls him good, or he's just saying, oh, you're a highly respected man. You are a good man. And then Jesus lowers this boom that if I'm just a man, I'm not good. And by the way, neither are you. How many good people are here today? Preacher, you set me up. <laughs> we like to think that we love people and we're kind and that we're generally good people, right? Surely you do, right? I would probably, call, I probably have said that about many of you. Those are good people. Them's good people, right? You ever said that? Maybe your grammar was better than mine, but right? Those are good people. And Jesus right away says, if you're looking for eternal life, you're not good, and that's the first place you need to start. When we share the good news of the gospel, we did our wages of sin. We did Romans Road. The wages of sin is death. The very first place we start is Romans 3, 23, which says, for all have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You have to start with the bad news that you're not good. And that's where he starts. Jesus starts with the rich young ruler, probably a good place where we should start too. Do you think anybody called the rich young ruler good in his life? Were any of you child prodigies? Your mom thought you were, or your dad, right? Or maybe your grandma. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, they're so smart. Oh, they're so good at this. Oh, they can do this. You should see them. Look at all my pictures, right? Well, if you were a young man, and you had already moved up into the Sanhedrin, you had a place of political influence, and you had a lot of wealth behind you, probably what had you heard for many of, most of your life? He's good. He's one of the good ones. He's going to do great jobs. He's got great things ahead of him. He's a good one. And what is Jesus saying to him? 
to the person with all the potential, all the brains, all the good education, all the political influence, all the wealth, Jesus says, you're not good. I'm going to tell you today, if the rich young ruler wasn't good, there's no way I'm going to be good, right? I can't measure up to that. And Jesus lays that out here. Why do you call me good? Now, now Jesus begins to help him try to see this, and the rich young ruler is going to have a little problem with this, and we'll try to explain that here just for a second. Where does Jesus start to explain to this young man his sin issues? He used the Ten Commandments, right? He starts rolling out the Ten Commandments. Um, first one, do not murder. What's the rich young ruler thinking? Oh, this is easy. I got this. I've never killed anybody. Um, do not commit adultery. We don't even know if he was married. So if he wasn't married, that'd really be an easy one probably, right? He's thinking, oh, no problem. Do not steal. No, I haven't taken anything. Lie or give false testimony. Don't defraud. Be a good little boy. Honor your mom and dad. Right? You guys checking off boxes this morning? Hey, I think I'm doing all right. And what's the rich young ruler say? Teacher, I have kept all these since I was what? Since I was a boy. I've been a good little boy. And now I'm a good big boy. I've been good. Go back through those Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not commit murder. Later on, or Jesus speaks, or maybe earlier to this passage, he says, if you have hatred in your heart, it's the same as committing murder against your brother. He didn't ask him that specifically, but that's where he was headed. If you have lust in your heart, I know you're not married, but if you have lust in your heart, what? You've committed adultery, right? Have you coveted and wanted something that wasn't yours? We're going to really get to that in a little bit, okay? Here's what I want you to hear today. Hear the Lord today. You may be checking off your good works list, and you may think, I got this, right? You're going down there, oh, no, I'm a good person. And what Jesus is trying to get you to see today is that no one is good without God. You're going to have to deal with that, all right? Rich young ruler, I got this, Lord. I've kept all these since I was a boy. No problem. Again, today you may think you're a pretty good person, and you probably are. But in God's sight, without Christ, you are not good. Let's see if we can make this even more clear. If you break even one of the Ten Commandments, you've broken them all. The book of James, chapter 2, James highlights this for us. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Can you hear this today? Please hear this with the right heart, okay? Please hear me with the right heart. If you lie, you're a liar, right? If you steal, you're a thief, right? If you lust, you're a, an adulterer. If you broke it once, you broke it. The expectation, again, is perfection. And ain't nobody in this room. There isn't anyone in this room that can say, I've kept it all, right? And so then we have the challenge. And this is the challenge that Jesus is going to push on this young man. All right, hear me today. If you want to have eternal life, if you want to know that you have eternal life, the first step is realizing that you, on your own, are not good. The one thing you lack. All right, let's get back to that one thing I kind of hit you up with this morning. The one thing you lack. Look down, if you would, there in verse 21. And the scripture says, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. What a beautiful verse. One thing you lack, he said. Go and sell 
everything you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, then come follow me. Did this one young man have a lot of things going for him? Yeah, he was sincere. He was successful. He was humble. He was interested in spiritual and eternal things, and yet he was so what? He was so lost. Hear the Lord today. Believer or unbeliever, (laughs) hear the Lord today. You can be successful. You can be humble. You can be sincere. You can be interested in spiritual things, and yet if you're still letting something separate you and Christ, you can be so misguided And especially if you don't have faith, you can be so lost. It only takes one thing to stand between you and Christ, between you and eternal life. Right? Look at these again. I want you to hear this today. You may be a good person. Any good people in here? Bunch of them. You may be sincere. There's, again, some really amazing people in here that strive to not be hypocrites. They work at it. You may be admired by your peers And a few of you even today might have a little cash in the bank. Probably not too many of us, but a few, right? You may be humble. You may put others before yourself. You may be interested in spiritual things. But I want you to hear this this morning. None of these things will grant you eternal life. Rick did this this morning in Sunday school so well, right? Only by the grace of God are we reconciled to Jesus. Hear the gospel today. Please don't hear the preacher. Hear the gospel today. Only by the grace of God. If we don't get rid of the one thing that is standing between us and Christ, we will be lost. And now the last thing I want you to see here real quick is that Jesus loved this young ruler, and he loves you. Okay? Yeah, you might be a liar. You might be an adulterer. You might be a thief. You might be a coveter. You might be disobedient to your parents. But here's the thing. The Lord knows you, and he loves you. I love the way the scripture says he looked on the young man. What's that tell us, right? (laughs) Could you imagine Jesus looking at you and then showing compassion to you? It probably didn't get any better than that. He looked on him and he loved him. And he spoke clearly to him. Tony Campolo has this little illustration. I think it's good. He says, my friend has a five-year-old daughter. And one day during a thunderstorm, the lightning flashing, the thunder roaring, he went to check on the daughter. He found his little girl standing on the windowsill, leaning spread eagle against the glass. He said, Jennifer, what are you doing? She said, I think God's trying to take my picture. (laughs) Here's a little girl who knows who she is. She knows her value. She knows her worth. He looks on you and he loves you. Isn't that amazing? I know that God loves me. She knows that. The rich young ruler is hearing that and now he's going to struggle. He lacks one thing. There's one thing that stands between him and eternal life. One thing stands between him and eternal happiness. One thing between him and heaven. What did Jesus say? Sell it. See, this is where we like to get real spiritual, and we like to say, you know what? Really, possessions are not my issue. I'm sure that was just a rich young ruler. I have different issues. Let's start with this one first. Sell it. If I said today, sell all you have, what do you think about that? Well, if, if, let's say I'm not saying. Let's say the Lord says it. Hmm. Robert, sell all you have. We're going to have a rummage sale at your house next week. We're going to get rid of it all, 
and we're going to go start following Jesus over in India. You ready to go? Michael? Todd? Mark? Rick? Now it kind of changes perspective just a little bit, right? No, that's other people that need to do that. I'm okay there. I don't have a problem with possessions, right? Let's justify. Let's, let's section that aside. Let's for a second, let's just say that maybe the Lord's trying to speak to us too. Sell what you have. And don't just sell it, but what do you do with the proceeds? Buy a better house, a bigger car, a nicer phone? Maybe you're just going to downsize. That's all he really wants us to do, right? Just downsize a little bit. Sell all you have and then give it to the poor and then do what? Come follow me. Here's the problem. He couldn't follow the Lord because of his stuff. Does your stuff ever get in the way of your life? Your spiritual life or your family life or any other parts of your life? I'm trying to hesitate here. I'm not going too far on this, but you guys know, you know the free boat story, right? I got a free boat. This will be great. This will be awesome. Uh-oh, now I need a trailer hitch for the van. I got to order a trailer hitch. Uh-oh, I don't know how to put a trailer hitch on. Got to call Wendy's cousin. She come, he comes out. We start working it out. Takes us a couple hours. Finally get the trailer hitch on. Okay, now I got my trailer hitch. Uh-oh, now I got to have a trolley motor. Well, if you're going to have a trolley motor, how are you going to run it? You got to have a battery. Okay, I got the battery going. Got to get a gas tank. Now I got to get a bulb and a pump. Now I got to get okay with the government, get my licensing, my stickers that say, hey, you're approved to get on the lake. The free boat ended up costing about two grand. <laughs> and it has taken away part of my life ever since. Can you tell? Stuff does that to you, doesn't it, right? Let's go through your garage today. What's in your garage that you haven't touched in 10 years? Five years? Two years? You're not going to touch it. But you don't know what I've been through, preacher. Sometimes I need that thing. You couldn't even find it when you needed it. Because there's so much stuff in your garage. Right? Sell all you have. Give to the poor. Come follow me. Well, preacher, I would love to go to India, but I got to take care of my house. I keep saying India because I've been there. You guys know that. Maybe the Lord's not, he's probably not calling you there at all. He may be calling you to Fort Wayne. I don't know. Maybe he's calling you to South America. Maybe he's calling just to your neighborhood, but you've got to be obedient and you've got to make sure that the stuff is not in the way of your obedience, right? That's what the Lord is speaking today. We have to have stuff. I'm not against stuff. God gives us stuff to use for his glory, amen? But if the stuff is getting in the way, you know what the Lord's going to do, right? He's going to take it away. And here he challenges the rich young man. You only lack one thing. You've kept the commandments, Right? Did you kind of notice which commandments he talked about there, by the way? He didn't start with the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, did he? <laughs> Where did he start? In the second tablet, right? He was talking about the horizontal relationships, not the vertical one, because the rich young ruler had a problem with the vertical one because he wasn't ready to give everything to his father. Sell all you have, give to the poor, Look at that next little phrase, though. Then you will have what? Treasure. God's not going to leave you broke. You might be physically broke, but God is going to fill you with so much you won't even know what to do with it. We'll talk about that in just a minute. All right. Can I share this with you just a little bit this morning? Jesus doesn't ask little things of you. He asks for everything. 
and the little things, but that is everything, right? Men are really good at this. We like to compartmentalize our lives, don't we? We can easily take this section and set it over here. God, that is mine, but the rest is all yours. Or I'll take this and this and this one, but you can have these four. Men are great at that. Jesus isn't asking for just three compartments. He says, you gotta have, I got to have it all. And here he hits the rich young ruler with that. Today, again, I, let's go back to where we started. What is your one thing? What is the one thing that is getting in the way of you? It could be you in heaven. It could just be you and the mission God has for you. What is the one thing that you're trying so hard to hang on to? The Lord could have everything else in your life, but this one thing, what is it? I'm going to give you a few ideas, but the Holy Spirit will do a much better job than I will. For some of you, it could be an addiction today. I have an addiction to what? I have an addiction to alcohol. I have an addiction to marijuana. I have an addiction to prescription drugs. I have an addiction to pornography. I have an addiction to unhealthy relationships. I have an addiction to media and internet and TV and gaming. For some of you, you got an addiction. And that one thing is the one area you're like, God, you can have everything else, but you can't have this. What is it today that's that one thing? For some of us, it's power. I got to be the one in control. I got to call the shots, right? I, <laughs> I have determined I'm going to get my dreams. No matter, nobody's going to stop me because that's what the American dream is. You go get your dreams. Have you checked with the Lord about those dreams to make sure that they're his dreams for you? <laughs> right? We better be seeking that that way. For most of us, I would say today, and as hard as it is to admit, for most of us, we have the same problem that the rich young ruler here had. We lack the same thing he lacked. We don't have quite enough faith in Christ that he is really able to take care of all of our needs. We'll gladly give some to God. We'll give 10%. We may even give 15%, but you know what? We just can't really give him everything. We're just not quite there. Did Jesus really mean to sell all you have and give to the poor and then follow? Couldn't we keep all we have, make us a little bit more and give that to Jesus and then follow, right? Hear the Lord today. He wants you to surrender everything, period. Your hopes, dreams, plans, possessions, family, relationships. He wants all of you and he wants to be your everything. Did you hear that last part? The Lord will fill that in. He will fill in that void. I think the real mission of the church isn't about gaining more temporary things. It's definitely not about getting bigger buildings or bigger budgets or bigger laser light shows. It's about teaching people to give up anything that gets in the way of gaining the everlasting. That's our job. Today, think again, what is my one thing? Do you guys know Jim Elliott? You guys heard his story just a little bit? Jim Elliott was, kind of reminds me of Riker's age a little bit. That's how I still picture him and think of him. He was a young guy, I think he was just out of college, and he was going to change the world for God. And so he made his way down to a tribe of people who had never heard the gospel. And Jim Elliott and Nate Satan, Nate Satan was the pilot, they flew into the jungle and they would fly in and out of the jungle, and they were trying to slowly make a relationship with some people who had never heard Jesus. And a little time, from time to time, they began to talk, they began to make some relationships but one day, in a riverbed, Nate Saint and Jim Elliott and a couple other guys, they were killed by this tribe of people. And you think, oh, what a horrible thing. Why would they give up and risk their life for that? Well, <laughs> it turned out 
that some of their, the wives and some of the rest of their family later on came back into the same area, spoke about their family, and the people in the tribe came to Christ. Now, this is the Jim Elliot quote. And if this doesn't shake you up, then you are just can't be shaken. Jim Elliot says this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I'm not asking you to go in a riverbed and die today. I'm just asking you to examine your heart and say, what's in the way between you and Jesus? Say, Jesus, you take it. And then you give it to me as you want me to use it. If you want me to have a nice house and a car to go to work and money to spend on these things here for your glory, I will do that. And Jesus, if you want me to sell it all and start making a trip to wherever, I will do that. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep. Can you keep that house? Can you keep that car? (laughs) Can you keep everything like you want it to be in control? You can't keep it. Why not let that go and give up what you can't keep? To get, to get what you can't lose. You can't lose the Lord. You can't lose the treasure that you invest in for eternity. Okay, quickly here this morning. It is not easy. I don't want you to make you think it's easy. Verse 22. Here's the young man's response. At that, the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus looked around, and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were even more amazed, and they said to each other, well, then who could be saved? Verse 27, Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. What happened to the rich young ruler when Jesus pointed out what he needed to do? Again, I think he had a humble heart, folks. I'm not, I don't think he was slight, but arrogant. And I think he really was seeking. And when Jesus picked him and pricked that one spot and said, only one thing you've got to do, and, and it'll all work out like it should. You just need to sell what you have. Give the poor to come follow me. Let's do that. Oh. What was his identity? What's your identity today? You don't have to raise your hand, but who today is the smart one? Who here's the nerd? Who's the funny one? Who's the athletic one? Who's the one that's good at making money? Who's the super uber friendly one? Who's the quiet, reserved, you know, one? We all have an identity today, don't we? Right? We have something that somebody told us probably when we were little that was special about us, and we've kind of clung on to that. Well, that's my place in my family. That's my place in this world. And this young man, his place in this world was, you are wealthy, and you are smart, and you are influential. And he's thinking, Jesus, if I give away all that, I'm going to lose my influence. I'm going to lose my prosperity. How am I going to take care of what's down in the future? I'll lose control. I'll lose who I am. And he hung his head. Our identity needs to be found in Christ. And Jesus is more insufficient. But the rich young ruler, he hung his head. A.W. Tozer says this. He says, now as always, God discovers himself to babes and hides himself in thick darkness from the wise and the prudent. We must simplify our approach to him. We must strip down to essentials and they will be found to be blessedly few. We must put away all effort to impress 
and come with the guiltless, guileless candor of childhood. If we do this without doubt, God will quickly respond. Have you ever seen the strength of a child? Their faith? Right? Uh, try to be careful here. <laughs> this is too good. This is pretty close to home. We were here at a Good Friday service, and a little boy who's actually in the room right now, he came up here and he sat down on this pew and he goes, Pastor, he said, Jesus shouldn't have had to take my place. I should have died. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know that. And I thought about that all the way home. And I realized that that little boy understood that so much more than I did. Because I had already assumed God's grace. I had already assumed his favor. I had already assumed, oh, he's going to give that to me because he loves me and I get that. And that little boy reminded me in his great faith that no, (laughs) I should have died. And the beautiful Jesus should not have had to do what he did, right? You guys, we need to learn from our kids, not just teach them. They're teaching us if we'll hear them today. Again, I don't want to give it up. That's what the rich young ruler said. I'm going to be honest this morning. I debated about showing you a whole bunch of pictures, but I have seen people in India with nothing who are much richer than I will ever be. You're not going to believe this today, but I'm going to tell you, a couple of guys in here with me will believe this today. There are some guys who are in the jail or in the prison who are a lot richer than I am today. They found their freedom, they found their faith, and they are on fire in the midst of a difficult place. But they know what that is. There are definitely rich people who will be in the kingdom of God, but their riches didn't stand between them and the way of their relationship with Christ. Instead, they were stewards of those things to magnify the Lord, to make his name great. Now, the disciples had a problem with this, right? What was the problem? It's not really an issue so much as that's a little bit for us, but more for them. The wealthy, influential, everybody looked at them and said, what about those people? That's the holy guys. They're being blessed by God. The reason they have their wealth is because they're being blessed. And you're telling me that this holy guy, (laughs) that he can't get in? How did Jesus describe it? He said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. Now, there's some stories about this whole archway and that if the camel got down on his knees, the camel could slide through and all this. I think Jesus was talking about a needle and a camel because he said it was impossible. That was the whole point. Because what do rich people do most of the time? We trust in our riches. We trust in our money. We trust in our insurance. We trust in our possessions to take care of us. And Jesus was saying, this is impossible. And the disciples were like, well, who could be saved? Can you hear him right now? I can hear him. Who could do this? If the holy people can't even get in to the kingdom, how in the world are we going to get in? And what is Jesus' response again? You need to let go of it all, forsake it all, and come and follow me. And by the way, he tells those guys, hey, you guys already have done that. It's something that's impossible with men, but it's completely possible with God. God can do it. He does the unbelievable things all the time. And so then quickly, Jesus tells them the rewards. Look down at verse 29. The rewards of following Jesus. Verse 29. I tell you the truth, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, and with them persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. What happens when you forsake your stuff and you follow Jesus? What do you get? You get instant family. 
This is so cool. And I feel like our church is, the Lord is really doing a good work here. Maybe you had a broken relationship. Maybe it's a broken marriage. Maybe it's a broken relationship with a child or a parent. But when you give those things to God, then he brings you into a family that's there to lift you up hundred times, right? Again, I was in a completely foreign country and I didn't even speak the same language. And yet I have a bond and a kindred and a fellowship and a friendship. And those five girls in that house were singing and we were singing and praising the Lord together. It was instant family because the same spirit dwelt in us. And that's not something that you just get in heaven. That blessing is something you get immediately when you get rid of the one thing and you follow Jesus. It's available to you today. Even the fields, the Lord says. <laughs> that's how the Lord works. Things in the present age and things to come. But notice the one thing we don't really like to talk about in this verse. What was that? Persecutions. Right? Trouble's going to come. And he tells the rich young ruler, he tells the disciples here, he tells the disciples here, persecutions are going to come. But what you have in store is so much more. And then this final truth in verse uh, 31 there, many who are first will be last. Who's the first in this world? We were talking about this the other night in um, Wednesday night, I think. If Jesus is handing out crowns based upon faithfulness and obedience, who's going to be at the top of the charts? It'll be all the preachers, right? I'm going to tell you, preachers are probably going to be on the bottom. <laughs> It'll be all the missionaries, right? Well, there's some, I got some good missionary friends, and I have a lot of respect for them, but there's probably going to be some people that we just pass by on a regular basis, some people with special needs, some, some old men and old women who were on their knees even when they couldn't do anything else, who were seeking the Lord and praising his name and asking for him to move, and they had given up all that they had and the whole world wrote them off. And God says, that's the faithful one. Do you want to be that person today? I do. What's the one thing we need to get rid of it? What is the one thing standing between you and following Jesus today? You must replace the, one th the thing you lack with the thing you need. You must surrender everything to Christ. Last question this morning. What is it that Jesus would ask you to give away so that you could be his disciple. If you guys will bear with me, I want to read just one illustration, and we'll have prayer, and we'll, we'll be done. But I think this is an important story about somebody who thought they had everything together, and the Lord spoke to them. So hear me out this morning. This is from Judith Nelson. By college, Michelle Akers had become an all-American soccer star, earning ESPN's Woman Athlete of the Year in 1985. The same year, the United States formed its first women's national team, and Michelle was a starter. In 1991, the U.S. team won the first ever Women's World Cup. Michelle scored 10 goals in five games, including the championship's winner. So she was on top. She signed an endorsement deal, became the first woman soccer player to have a paid sponsor. She prayed, excuse me, played professionally in Sweden. Her drive and her tenacity were beginning to pay off. She even tried out as a place kicker for the Dallas Cowboys. Her longest attempt reached 52 yards. That's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> but just as her star was rising, Michelle's health began to decline. In 1993, the woman who used grit and determination to make life happen found her life unmanageable. Each day I felt like I had flown to Europe with no food or sleep and then flown right back and trained for hours, Michelle says. 
She suffered from chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome, a debilitating disease affecting more than a million adult Americans. When it was really bad, she said, I couldn't sit up in a chair. The racking migraine stranded me at home, unable even to get up to brush my teeth or sometimes to even eat. For the first time, Michelle could no longer count on her old friend's strength and hard work. She had to find a new way to cope. I could not bear to be the best in the world and not to be the one who could bounce back from any injury, she says. It was the only me I knew. Remember I was talking to you about identity this morning? This was her identity. When her marriage of four years broke up in 94, Michelle had reached the end of herself. I was so sick I couldn't take a five-minute walk without needing two days on the couch to recover. I was forced to spend a lot of time thinking about who I was, and I didn't like what I saw. Michelle had put her trust in Christ as a high school student, but ignored God in college and after graduation. And now sick and all alone, Michelle reluctantly accepted an invitation from a strength coach to attend his church, Northland Community Church in Longwood, Florida. Although she couldn't articulate it at the time, in retrospect, Michelle says she knew she needed to get things right with the Lord. Looking back, she explains, I think God was gently, patiently tapping me on the shoulder and calling my name for years. But I continuously brushed him off saying, hey, I know what I'm doing. I can make these decisions. Leave me alone. Then I think he finally said, okay. He crossed his arms and he looked at me sadly because he knew I was going to make a lot of mistakes by ignoring him and he knew I would be hurting in the future. It took devastation before I would acquiesce and say, okay, God, you can have my life. Please help me. My guess is the Lord loves you today and here's the thing, he may let you go through some trials because he's trying to pull you to him. And you can make your things a lot easier on yourself today if you'll do this, if you'll go ahead and say, okay, God, <laughs> you have it. You have it. You have my house. You have my car. You have all my possessions, my clothes. You have my yard. You have my time. Ooh, that's a hard one, isn't it? You have my pocketbook. Here's where it gets so hard. You can have my wife or my husband. You can have my kids. <laughs> you can have it. You take it, and I'll follow you, and I'll trust you. And that's what the Lord is asking you today. Would you stand this morning? What's the one thing today? What's the one thing that may be getting in the way? Today, if you're looking to follow the Lord, let me make, be, make this so clear and simple as I can, okay? If, if you have never done these things, this is something for you to consider. I'll be glad to pray with you after church today, or I can pray with you uh, here at this altar if you want to pray. But if you want to follow Jesus, it's pretty simple. The first step is to repent. Remember today, is anyone good? No. We have to admit that we are the sinner. This, the next idea today is to acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord. He's the one who's in control. He gets to call the shots. And then the third thing that goes right in line with that is to surrender, to again raise your hands and say, God, you have it. You can take it. You can use it. Tell the Lord that you will follow his steps wherever they lead. The choice is yours this morning. Today I'm going to go play at the piano. And if you'd like to pray where you're standing, that's great. If you want to come, you can grab, touch somebody on the shoulder, come pray with them. That's fine down here at the altar. That'd be great. Just like we sang about today, you can come to the altar and pray. 
And even today, if after this, if we're having a picnic and you want to swing by and tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, preacher, will you pray with me? I'll be glad to come pray with you then. But let's just take some time this morning to make sure that there's nothing, nothing in the way of our relationship with Jesus.